I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's overtime, 106.7 The Fan. Toby Altiz are with you up until 10 o'clock this evening. If you want to give us a call, 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. You can tweet me at Toby underscore Altizer. So we're discussing this Albert Breer piece about Sam Howell, Ron Rivera, and his decision to roll with Sam for this season. And one thing that I thought was interesting is some of the concepts or the things that were talked about in this piece kind of acting like it was all Rivera's idea to roll with him in Week 18. Pat McAfee talked about this earlier today and kind of put that on blast. I do believe as a football coach, though, his time is done. Yeah. Yeah. The more things that he says with his outside voice that should be just inside voice things makes me realize that maybe he has lost the certain thing that head coaches need to have. For instance, not good to say, especially a guy that gets drafted to be potentially the future, to say, (laughs) I had no idea this guy was good. (laughs) Really? Do you know what I would have done if we knew this guy could play football like this? Jeez. And what we all liked about Sam Howell was how strong his arm was. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even imagine in practice what he was doing. Whenever he's just reading off cards, going against the defense, I'm sure the defense is like, hey, this guy's got a hose over here. And Ron Rivera's like, I don't want to see the film. I don't want to see a film. I don't want to see anything. Heineke basically said as much to us, like, man, Sam Howell looked incredible all year. Taylor yeah. Heineke was supposed to start yeah. a game, and he, the last game of the year, and he said, don't start me. You guys need to see this guy. Mm-hmm. This follows him talking about Eric Bieniemy in a way where he's like, mm-hmm. Eric, not a head coach, kind of a doofus. <laughs> and it's like, all right, that's inside voice. Might be real. Mm-hmm. Should not be saying that publicly. Had to come back. And then if you go back last year, I didn't even know we had a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah. Right. So there's like numerous things now that have happened where I think Ron Rivera, uh, Coach Ron Rivera, has lost his fastball. And that's interesting to hear because you don't hear that nationally ever. Ever. You never hear bad comments about Ron Rivera nationally. It's always locally. You see local pieces, and it's, you know, justified, I think, in a lot of cases. But nationally, people don't say these sort of things. And Pat McAfee came out and basically ripped him, saying he doesn't have it anymore, and basically throwing away the notion that, hey, it was my idea to start him. But I do want to give Ron Rivera credit for this, because I think one thing that we do is we love to just pile on, and the other thing we forget is like things change throughout a season. 
So to come in and say, who was it? Who was it that called earlier and said that Sam Howell should have started in the Chicago game? I was at that Chicago game. That was like week five. Uh, JaVel and uh, Culpepper. Yeah, JaVel. I don't have an issue with having an opinion. But to act like Sam Howell, what he is right now, or even what he was in week 18, is the same guy that he was in week five, I think we're kidding ourselves a little bit. He was a rookie. He needed time. I think it was pretty obvious just from hearing conversations with all of them, including Sam, is that he needed some time to develop, mostly footwork, but he needed some time to develop. And then by November and December, he started to look like the quarterback that maybe could have got some playing time. But I don't think that looking back on it and those comments by McAfee, I don't necessarily have an issue with when he played. Now, saying what Rivera did and saying, oh, man, maybe I I didn't know he was this good. Maybe we could have played him earlier. That obviously casts some doubt on that. But looking back, I think that he had four legitimate times that he could have played, and one of them he did. But after the bye week, the team's 7-5-1. They're still sitting in a spot where they can get into the playoffs. They just tied with the Giants. And you come in off a bye week, facing off the Giants again. Heineke had only led the team to a tie in the previous matchup. Would you have considered starting him in Week 15? I would not. He's a rookie. You're in a playoff hunt. I wouldn't have gone to him. I would have stayed with Heineke. They did. They lost 20-12. to Next week, 7-6-1 against the 49ers. Are you starting him then? I'm not starting him against the 49ers when you're in a playoff hunt. And it's the 49ers defense that he's going up against. And ultimately, Heineke played really well in the first half, but was benched in the second half for Wentz. Maybe, if you want to make an argument, it should have been Howell that got into the game instead of Wentz at that point. But either way, they lose that game 37-20. to Don't have an issue with anything there. Week 17 against the Browns. You're at 7-7-1. and Ron, after the game, oh, we can be eliminated? When they lost the game 24-10. to They started Wentz. They stayed with Wentz. They didn't go back to Heineke, which I think that they should have done after you saw the first couple of drives. It was pretty obvious that Howell, or not Howell, Wentz wasn't going to work. I think they should have gone back to Heineke there. But maybe you want to make the argument it should have been Howell there. Okay, that's fine. But I don't think that you're going to throw a fifth-round rookie, just a rookie period, honestly. maybe it's not, Unless it's a first-rounder, maybe a second-rounder. You're not throwing a rookie in there in the Week 17 matchup with the playoffs on the line that hasn't played a snap of football yet. So, no problem there. And then Week 18, when he finally did suit up, 7-8-1, you're out of playoff contention, Cowboys don't have anything to play for, and he finally starts Howell. I think that was the right decision. So, you know, to go back and look and hearing some of the comments from Ron, it makes you think, well, what the heck was he doing? I think ultimately he made the right decision on when to play him. But the comments, again, bring into question Ron's legitimacy as a head coach. If he wouldn't have said anything, if this piece never came out, we're not questioning any of this stuff. We're probably not talking about Ron Rivera today and some of the comments he's made. Right? The stuff that Pat McAfee said is probably not getting said. Because it literally comes back to the simple fact if he says, well, if I'd have known this kid was that good, I would have played him earlier. Or... Man, I wish I would have known. That's the kind of stuff that just gets you in so much trouble. And then his other quote that I want to talk about. This is the one that 
I think is a little damning on him as a executive as opposed to as a coach. And he said this, I'll tell you this too, if we were in a situation where we were going to draft him because we needed a quarterback, we would have taken him no later than the second round. Okay, so that gives you some confidence that they believe Sam Howell's much better than the fifth round draft pick that he was taken at. But I have some questions if you're doing that. Why'd you wait to round five to take him? Earlier in the piece, it mentions that they didn't want to take him because they wanted to show that they were all in with Wentz. I'm sorry, there were question marks when Wentz came over. And you could easily play it off with saying, if you took Howell in the second round, well, he was way up our draft board. He was the best player available. You could play it off. There are ways that you could say, hey, we're going to give you every chance. But you want to know how Wentz already knew that he wasn't necessarily the quarterback of their future if things didn't go exactly as planned? They didn't do anything with his contract. And if you recall, when the Wentz trade was made, the biggest positive that everyone talked about when he got brought over was they can drop him after the season and there's no dead cap hit after that. That's literally what it said. If he wanted some assurance, he wanted to know that he was the guy, they would have shown him that by extending him or changing his contract a little bit, making sure he was there at least two years. They didn't do any of that because they knew they might want to get out of it. So then my question, Ron, is why did you wait till round five to get your quarterback? Why? If you had a round two grade on this guy, why did you draft Fedarian Mathis ahead of him? Why did you draft Brian Robinson ahead of him? Again, no problem with the players drafted ahead of him necessarily. I still think that some of them were reaches, but I don't have an issue with Brian Robinson at this point. I don't have an issue. I'm still not a big Phil Mathis guy, but you know, if you like that pick, whatever. But why would you gamble like that? There's not a single person in football that would argue with you that quarterback is not the most important position on the field. Everyone knows that. So why would you look at a quarterback that you said, I think we got a second-round grade on this kid. I think he could be something. Why would you take the risk of saying, well, we don't want to make, you know, we don't want to frustrate or throw some uncertainty into Carson Wentz's mind. We'll pass. Until it got to the point where he said, well, we just, we can't let it go any further. We got to take him in round five. I just don't understand how they could let that go. I don't understand how you could play that game. Where would we be this season as Commanders fans and media covering this team? Where would we be right now if they had not taken Sam Howell? Who's starting quarterback for this football team? Do they sign Jacoby Brissett? Are they trying to trade for Aaron Rodgers? Are they being more realistic in trading for a guy like Lamar Jackson? Who knows? That could have all been a thing if some other team would have been wise enough to just take him for the grade that they had, which was a second-round grade, and it sounds like Washington wasn't the only one with a pretty high grade, but nobody wanted to take a chance on the quarterback class that was touted as terrible. So he ends up falling. But why did you have a second-round grade on this guy and wait all the way to the fifth round to take him? You couldn't say, well, we won't take him in the second, taking back to the Jalen Hurts situation with Carson Wentz. We could take him in the third round. He's still there. We could take him in the fourth round. He's still there. You waited till round five. You were willing to play that game with the quarterback position all the way till round five. Again, it just brings up a lot of questions on Ron. And it's things that if you say these sort of things, you put yourself into a predicament. Why would you wait until round five to finally take the quarterback? 
I like the guys that they took. I like Percy Butler. I like Brian Robinson. I'm not huge on Phil Mathis, like I said, but again, whatever with that pick. But why would you wait till round five on a guy you had a round two grade on at the most important position on the team when there was clearly questions at the quarterback position? And if Carson can't handle you taking a possible starting quarterback of the future in the second round, I'm sorry, then he shouldn't be starting for you. You shouldn't have traded for this guy. And we already knew all that stuff. We already knew that he couldn't handle this sort of stuff. And yet they still traded for him. I don't know. All this stuff just ends up being an indictment on Ron. And the problem with all this is it could have all been easily avoided if Ron just wouldn't have talked to Albert Breer about this piece. If he would have just said simple things and not offered up too much information. If he would have said, yeah, you know, I'm confident in Sam Howell this season. We didn't get a chance to see much of him last year, but what we did, we really liked, and we're excited to see what he can do this year. Is that sort of answer getting dissected like we are right now? No. There are ways you can do this without drawing all the extra scrutiny that you do. Let's get out to Ed in D.C. Ed, what's going on? Hey, Toby. Um, You know, the thing is, is that I think a lot of people don't realize is that you know, Ron was all in on Carson because that was his, his big swing. And he wanted to do whatever it took to get him comfortable and for him to be successful. Um, they, they knew the situation in Philadelphia when they drafted, when, you know, they drafted Jalen Hurts and Carson fell apart. He just absolutely fell apart. And he wanted to make sure erroneously in my mind, and I never thought it was going to work in any ways, but he wanted to make sure that he was not going to do anything to challenge Carson's leadership on the team. And he even, if you recall, he even called Carson in the, after the, the Red, after the Redskins, oh, excuse me, after the uh, Washington team took uh, Sam Howell in the fifth round to assure him that I'm not getting this guy to take your job. You, do, do you all remember that? Because I know I vividly remember that. And for me, it is a situation to where it was a mistake from the beginning. But, you know, the thing is, is that he, you know, they weren't planning on taking a quarterback at all. But how just was this was. And I don't like, like that. I don't like that you go into a draft and quarterback is still a question. It may, you could use this with any position. They, they probably did it with tight end this year because they didn't draft one. But I don't like the fact that you go into a draft and just say, we're not taking this guy. I get having a plan. I get having guys that you like. But if you're sitting there in the third round and you've got a second-round grade on a guy and third and fourth-round grades on everyone else, take the guy. You know what I'm saying? Like I get that your plan wasn't to go in and draft a quarterback, but if Sam Howell's sitting there staring you in the face in the third or fourth round and you got a second-round grade on him, instead of taking the safety you had as a fourth-round safety or the running back you had as a third-round running back, how about you take a second-round quarterback? I mean, I totally agree with you on that. I mean, I would have done that, but he was all in on Carson. He no wanted doubt. to make sure that this big move was going to work for him. No doubt. He did, wanted to make it as comfortable for Carson as he possibly could have. Ed, appreciate the phone call, man. That's a great point, and I don't remember him calling Carson, but it's just crazy. And just to think of all of that. 
I mean, if you want a reason that they should move on from Ron Rivera, you could just look at the Carson Wentz situation. The fact that they went through all the craziness to trade for Carson Wentz, which, look, to, to Rivera's credit, he was much better that year in Indy than he was here last year. But just the way that whole thing was handled and then to come out in the press conference, I'm the bleeping guy. Like, come on, Ron. Like, those sort of things just... That's where I get the most frustrated with Ron Rivera are those sort of things. All right, let's take a break from talking about Ron Rivera. Let's talk about another guy that talks to the media a decent bit, and that's Jason Wright. Earlier today, he was on with B. Mitch and Finley, and he had some interesting things to discuss. Want to make sure we can hear that full discussion. We'll do that next. You're on overtime at 106.7 The Fan. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Overtime 106.7, the fan. Toby Altizer with you up until 10 o'clock this evening. So earlier today on Beamish and Finley, team president Jason Wright joined the show. There's some interesting comments in here. We'll definitely get to talk about that. And if you want to hop in, feel free as you listen to the interview, 800-636-1067. We're going to discuss some of the things that Jason Wright had to say, but we we're going to play just some of the cuts and various things, but there was so much in the Jason Wright interview with B. Mitch and Finley that we'll just go ahead and play the full thing for you. So here was Jason Wright with B. Mitch and Finley earlier today. How successful you think training camp was? Like, how different did everything feel for you? Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. Um, it's a pleasure to be on. Um, the excitement from the fans, um, not uh, insignificantly shown in the numbers. And the difference between this year's training camp and last year's sure. was immense. I mean, we had over 10,000 fans at our biggest training camp practice, but I don't think it ever dipped below 2,000 fans. Um, and that's a throwback to an era um, where the whole city was united around this team, and we think that's what's building again. 
Jason, uh, what was it in, in preseason? How was the uh, crowds at home compared to previous years? Uh, we had at our last preseason game about twice as many people as the preseason game last year. We only had one last year. And so, and the Baltimore game was uh, closer to some of our regular season games that wow. we had. In fact, it was the same attendance as some of our regular season games two years ago. So there's a big leap forward. Uh, the fans have backed up their words and come back to us. Um, well, dude, I, I, I don't know, but I can imagine how difficult some of the business operations had to have been, especially <laughs> the past couple years. And, and uh, you can't help but notice, I mean, you, you had a pair of – you had the Maryland governor and the Virginia governor at training camp. I hadn't seen a governor around here in quite a while. Um, what does it mean to be able to kind of reengage uh, in that landscape all across the DMV? Yeah, I would say in uh, in, a, in an interesting way and in a really good way, we're back open for business. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, we're we're able we're able to operate with partners, with uh, government leaders, with community leaders on a fresh and clean slate. And it's really been it's really been good for the business. I mean, we just announced Anheuser Busch, uh, a sponsor that uh, left very visibly uh, for the reasons they left to to come back and become a sponsor again and allow us to do a really cool program with them in Folds of Honor, which uh, is a scholarship program for uh, the kids of military families uh, whose um, servicemen uh, died or was disabled in in theater. Um, We've got a a first-of-its-kind partnership with the Air Force, the Air National Guard, who sponsor our USO tent, where those 500 military veterans come through every week. The Air Force doesn't do sponsorships in the NFL, typically. But they've come to us. Um, and so not only are we getting back the folks that have been there before, but we're breaking new ground. And um, a lot of it has to do with the fans flocking back and the inherent value of this market. I mean, we announced Verizon as our first partnership uh, since new ownership came in. And they are short-term partners to help us improve communications between players and coaches and improve Wi-Fi and connectivity for fans and the ticket, uh, uh, the, the ticket entrance experience but also long-term partners to help us think through a tech strategy on all the cool stuff we want to do in the future. It's just a really good time right now. What are some of the new things you're going to be doing this year for fans and make that fan experience even better? It's a long list. (laughs) Um, I think you guys have already experienced some of it. New screens, new sound system. Um, We've done a bunch of changes around the uh, entry experience um, with new and stronger Wi-Fi around ticketing entrances, new security systems at some of the premium gates to get people in and out more quickly, a bunch of new automated technology at our uh, food and beverage concessions around the stadium because we are expecting a lot more people. Um, As you might have seen today, we announced that we are now up to standing room only tickets for week one. I did see that. which uh, Which is a big deal. Can I ask, and this probably predates you working here, when was the last time there was and I don't know the right way to phrase this, a legitimate sellout. Yes. yes, legitimate is different. Yes, we have sold out since we did standing room only. It was an Eagles game, and we know that that was mostly Eagles fans. Um, okay. I, play, I played for the Cardinals. They don't really have fans that travel. <laughs> so this, this, is, this is actually us as a fan base. So um, it probably dates back to 2012 or 2013 that there was – um, 
uh, best I can see in the records. Let's just say the records weren't that great before we got here. Um, but best I can see in the records, it's probably 2012, 2013, 2014 that we had a legit um, sellout. Wow. And it sure looks like it's trending that way for week one, right? Yeah, we will be there. We are, we, we are there. That's the reason that there's standing room only tickets. We are there. How much more fun is your job? <laughs> that is a great question. Um, I love, I've always loved my job. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think working under Josh has been great for a few reasons. Um, one, he comes from the same kind of professional background that I came from before coming to sports. So the speed at which he works, the rigor of his decision-making, the way he wants information presented, it's like I feel like a fish in water again, and it's really, really nice. Mm. And it's helping my team uh, get to the level of professionalization that I've wanted for us for, for some time. So that part is fantastic. Uh, he also makes good decisions. You bring him good information, and he makes good, sound decisions, which is such a welcome um, thing to have in the person leading and the fiduciary of the organization. Um, and, uh, I'd say the, the, the last thing is he like genuinely cares about people and the fans, him, Mitch, Mark, Irvin, like there is a people first mentality to the decisions they're making. You know, I haven't had an, uh, a senior person like that ask, how will the fans feel about this so often as mm -hmm. I have heard Josh say that. So it makes my job really great. Now, don't get me wrong. He has incredibly high expectations for both on-field and off-field performance. So we are working very hard. We are working very fast. We are working long hours, but it's a labor of love because everything is pointed in a really good direction. I think I, one thing I noticed, I look at the, uh, the attitude of the people we're working around, and that seems better as well. And I, you know, oh, my when, gosh. You know, you can see it. You can sense it. No matter. I think a lot of times people don't think that you can notice things like that, but I can see it clearly. Night and day, man. Um, you know, I did promise our staff when I – first got here, that we would get to the other side of this, that they would be operating in a high-growth environment, um, that we would be back towards the top of the league in business performance, and they would be doing creative new deals and all of that stuff. I wasn't sure how we were going to get there <laughs> three years ago, <laughs> <laughs> but I, just, I knew we would at some way, somehow. Um, but now that our, especially our sales force and the people that engage with our fans are now operating in that environment, their smiles the weight that's been lifted off of their back, the excitement they have about reaching out and engaging with the fans, it makes me really happy for them because we have some really good people here. I mean, we turned over basically the whole organization, and they went through some really tough times. And so I'm so grateful that they get to experience the reward of it. Well, it's funny you say that because, you know, there's been some times where B and I have been really quite critical. Um, of but we would always go out of our way to say – there are good people in the organization, just a lot of time their hands are tied or they're, they're unable to get st things yeah. done that they'd like to. But That's right. Can't help but notice. Now, obviously you have to continue to entertain D.C., Maryland, Virginia, right? But the amount of momentum surrounding a re possible return to the RFK Stadium site seems different than it ever has. Mm -hmm. d d does it feel that way for you? Um, I certainly uh... – I certainly support the momentum and excitement around the possibility of being in the district. And we've always said that RFK is a spiritual home of this team. But taking a step back, irrespective of whether or not 
we ultimately end up there or that's the right decision for the business. It is a good thing for the District of Columbia, Columbia to have control of the RFK site so that the, the citizens of that community and the leaders that they have elected can determine their own economic destiny. So taking sure. football out of it, it is the right thing for things to be moving forward around the RFK land just from an economic justice standpoint for D.C. Now, for us, we have many moons to go before we know where we're going to be in the future. But for now, that's how I see it. And however we can support and help that, it's our, it's our uh, responsibility as supporters of the district and their economic goals to do that. If we I, get I back totally to RFK or uh, any stadium, I'll don the uniform and take a uh, – I'm going to do the first return I've had in the stadium, 69 yards up the right sideline. There we go. There we go. <laughs> oh, I'll do it faster if it's RFK. <laughs> I thought that. But, Jason, you're so right, and I've screamed about this, that you have carpetbagger politicians from all over the country get to come in and decide the fate of a giant plot of land that the city should be able to develop. You say it much more diplomatically than I do, but I wholeheartedly agree with you. Whether the stadium goes in there or not, something needs to be done, and local officials should get to decide. That's right. You got it. Um. Well, I don't want to put you in a weird spot here, but something I, I did want to ask because we've heard a lot of of kind of the, the old name has popped back up, right? And, and I know that you've said everything's on the table under new ownership to consider perhaps another rebrand, what, what every, everything is possible. But Brian and I have both said that I don't ever see a return to the old name. Is, is going back to the old name something that is on the table? It is not being considered. At all. Period. Gotcha. Is, is a rebrand still out there, or is there just too much going on otherwise for right well, now? I think, I think, I think at that, to that point, you kind of nailed it. Um, uh, we have three big priorities for ownership. Building a championship-caliber team on the field, and that includes work that's been done even up until last week of – what investments does Ron need in the team, in the players, in amenities to make us a more world-class organization to win games on the field? Um, improving the guest experience. I mean, we are infusing somewhere between 30 to $40 million in capital into the stadium between now and game day <laughs> to improve the experience for the fans. That's a lot. That's a lot of construction. That's a mm -hmm. lot of things happening. Um, that's, the, that's the number two focus. And then you'll see a lot of this this coming week. Um, they're really focused on re-engaging with the community. Um, Josh, the limited partners, including Irvin and Mitch and Mark, will be present this coming week um, uh, doing stuff around the community leading up to game day. We're doing a big kickoff party in Franklin Park on the I love that that's Friday, downtown, the by the way. Yeah, it's dope. It's going to be dope. 5 p.m. on the 8th. It's a reunion, so to speak, of our family. Uh, the whole Burgundy and Gold family coming together, current players, alumni, uh, the dance team, Major Tutty, and thousands upon thousands of our fans, uh, and many of the limited partners there who have uh, become the stewards of this team. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic um, event. Those are the things that Josh and the team are focused on right now. Um, how wild is week one going to be? What's that sideline? I mean, <laughs> the sideline with Magic Johnson walking around – that place is going to be bumping. It's going to be rocking. I mean, you know, we had a moment last season where we started to approach this. If you remember that Sunday night game against the Giants, 
Yeah. Uh, I think we were about 80% sold through. So, you know, add another 20% to that. Mm. (laughs) Um, And that was the first time since I'd been here that it was a close to capacity game where it was mostly our fans and the atmosphere there, the way that people were engaged in the game. And now, you know, the outcome didn't go how we wanted. I have lots of thoughts about uh, of that. I think our team, our, we'll say our team played really well, and our team played well enough to win. Um, uh, but the result didn't go our way for other reasons. Um, but I, I think in that moment, we saw a little bit of the potential. We're going to see that potential fulfilled in week one. That's going to be a blast, man. Go. Uh, thank you for making time for us. Um, I imagine you're going to be able to sell a whole lot of stuff between now and week one and enjoy it, man. I know how hard it's been for a while. I'm fired up about it, and thanks for having me, guys. All right, Jay. Take care, bro. Thank you very much. That is Commander's Team President Jason Wright. So you heard Jason Wright earlier today on B. Mitch and Finley. Plenty to discuss coming off of that. You want to hop in, feel free, 800 636 1067 on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. We'll react to that conversation next here on The Fan. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Is going back to the old name something that is on the table? It is not being considered. At all. Period. Welcome back. Overtime 106.7 The Fan. Toby Altizer with you up until 10 o'clock this evening. If you missed any of that Jason Wright audio from B. Mitch and Finley earlier today, you can go back and listen to the podcast on the Odyssey app. Fantastic conversation. I think a lot to discuss coming off of that. But I think the biggest thing coming from that conversation is the fact that there is no consideration on going back to the old name Redskins. And I had this discussion a couple of weeks ago, and so I don't know if I'll spend a whole lot of time on this, but I never saw this as a real possibility. 
I know there was a petition that kind of got shown to be a bit of a scam with some of the remarks that they made about various things. And so it kind of lost some of its credibility. But people still thought that there was a chance that maybe they could go back to it. But it just never seemed logical to me that they could ever return to that name. You know, we were talking in the break, Donald and I, and I just don't see a way that Josh Harris would look at all the positive things that are going to happen over the next couple of years with this franchise, and you heard some of the positive things that Jason Wright out, laid out in the interview, and say, you know what, let's let's add some more controversy and go back. And I just, I don't see them doing anything that can be skewed to be controversial in any way if they can help it over the next couple of years because why would you? This team has been mired with controversy for years, avoided at all costs, and you're already starting to see some of the fruit of that in the fans showing up to FedEx Fields and all the positive things going on around this organization. Yeah, I was I was kind of to your point, I was thinking that even outside of just the name itself, I think just the attachment to the old regime too as well. I mean, I know there's the history and everything, us winning Super Bowls and all of that. So I'm not trying to take away from our history, but also some of that is tainted a little bit too because of that old regime. So kind of to your point with Josh Harris, I think you just want to enter in clean slate, clean house, and just let's let's start a new new thing here. Yeah, and that's something too with the rebrand as well. They might rebrand again to something else so that they're not commanders. But for those of you that are just going to be frustrated no matter what, you know, because it's not going back to the old name, I understand it. I do. But it's just not going back to that name. And so constantly complaining about the name, the new name, whatever they change the name to, isn't any help. Just constantly bickering and complaining about commanders. It's not a good name, no doubt about it. But even if they changed it to something that maybe you liked, there's going to be plenty of other people that don't like that name. And so, in my opinion, talking about this rebrand, maybe you'll appease some people. Maybe you can find a way to appease a majority and keep you know, a majority of people happy, but there's still going to be 20%, 30% of the fan base that doesn't like the name, thinks it's stupid. You know, There's always going to be the people that think it could have gone back to the old name and they're going to be frustrated regardless. I think this is a good move by the team because they were never going to go back to the old name, so just go ahead and put it to bed and end that where it is. Now you can focus on the stuff that really is going to make a difference for this football team going forward. Ultimately, the name isn't a big issue. The name isn't a big deal if they start winning football games, if they start having more sponsors, if they start having a positive light around the franchise. Was there anything else that stood out to you in the interview, Donald? Was there anything that immediately perked your attention or caught your eye? Yeah, I thought some of the stuff he was saying, too, about I know there's been a lot of talks about RFK and the team coming back to the district. And, you know, I thought some of what he said, too, about, you know, wanting wanting fans, you know, wanting that for the fans. But obviously there's a lot of logistical things that go into that, even, you know, beyond just football it's you know it's government it's yeah. you know being controlled by the land you know the who controls the land et cetera, et cetera. so I thought what he said too about RFK was interesting because I know with a lot of fans outside of the name that's also been a big talk too is 
getting the team back here in the district. Yeah, and I think you said all the right things. To say that that's the the spiritual home, so to speak, of the team, he's right. I mean, all the good things that have happened for this franchise, for the most part, have happened at RFK. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get back there. It's going to be a, a long process, but I think that in the hands of Josh Harris, and I mean, who knows? At this point, the way that we're seeing all these things, Jason Wright is having a year audition to remain the team president beyond this year. That's kind of what he's done. I've talked about this before. With Josh Harris becoming the owner in the timeline that he did, essentially everyone that was in a position is basically getting a full year to audition to show themselves worthy to Josh Harris. And so Jason Wright is one of those. So we'll continue to see. Some of the things that stood out to me, he mentioned the the crowd at the preseason games. It was two times the size of any of the preseason games they had last year. I guess they only had one home game last year, but twice the size for the Cincinnati game, a game that everyone knew that none of the starters were playing, so that's actually pretty impressive, the fact that a preseason game where everyone knew that none of the ones were playing, you filled up twice as much as you did for a game last year. And then to hear that it was close to a regular season crowd for the Baltimore game, it just shows you that this team still has a very big fan base. And whether people believe it or not, they're going to come back, and you're already starting to see that. And Jason Wright was talking about that. You know, fans for years have talked about if Snyder sells, we'll come back. And you're starting to see those numbers grow. You're starting to see people say, you know what, I'm back. I'm coming back. You know, I have family members that said, you know, I won't spend any cash on things that are related to the team as long as Snyder owns the team because I'm not going to give him any money. And now they're willing to do things with the team, whether it's go see a game or buy some merchandise. So even just my own family members and people that I know are starting to see some of that difference. And so for Jason Wright to start seeing that, for Josh Harris to see that, and I think that's part of why Josh Harris was in on this. You know, whether it was someone else that bought the team, you know, whoever else was in, Apostolopoulos, Rattata, whoever else was in on possibly buying the team, I don't know that they were from the area like Josh Harris. I think Josh Harris understood, I can probably go a little bit over what I'd like, and that's why you saw him go over that $6 billion number just by, you know, a hair. And he looked at it and said, this fan base is still alive and well. It's dormant in a lot of cases. But I've seen what this fan base can be. Let me get it back to that. And so I think that he's looking at this now and starting to see some of the resurgence of the fan base and realizing, I think I might have something here that can grow even more than maybe even they expected. So it's going to be interesting to see. Let's get out to Richard in Rockville. Richard, what's going on, man? Hey, uh, hang on. Hey, how you doing tonight? Pretty good. How you doing, Richard? Thanks for taking my call. Real quick, I just want to tell you... um, I like the name that they had before the commanders, which was the Washington football team, because it emphasizes Washington. It's sure. not controversial. And uh, I think it, you know, it's people uh, really, it's hard to get used to the commanders. And if you change it to the red dogs, whatever else they want to do, it's just going to be equally uh, sound weird. But Washington football team, everybody can get used to. And it emphasizes that we're from Washington. It'd be great if we could play in Redskins stadium again. I'm a longtime Redskin fan. And, uh, you know, to me, I'm fine with Washington football team. Richard, appreciate the phone call, man. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because 
the reason I didn't have an issue with Washington football team is when you go to Commanders, you make people that were diehard Redskins fans and were attached to the name and love the name do two things. One, you have to accept the fact that the name is gone. And then two, you have to embrace the new name, which is Commanders. When you were Washington football team, I felt you only had to do one thing. Because there was no new name to embrace. You just had to accept the fact that the old name was gone. And so that's how I looked at it. Some people thought the name was stupid, and some people, whatever you may think. But in my opinion, going to something that focuses on Washington as the primary, I wouldn't say moniker, but just being the primary source of the identity, I like that. Because while they were the Redskins, they were still a Washington team, and there was a Washington identity, but it was the Redskins. But when you have to get rid of that, you can still remain just a Washington identity without having to accept a commander's identity or a Red Hogs or a Red Tails or whatever they change the name to or if they decide to change the name. I just feel like doing the one thing where you say, you know what, we've always been Washington and we'll forever be Washington. Let's just stick with that. I think that's a simple way to say we're not going to go back to the old name, but we're not going to make you embrace something new either. Yeah, I agree. During that time, too, I always used to think of that name almost like a, a soccer club, like an FC. I like that, too. Me, too, because, yeah, kind of to your point, it's like it's just stamping the city or the region, and then it's just football club after that. So I always thought of it of that same type of feel where it's really stamping Washington. We don't really need a, you know, a mascot or anything like that. It's just we're representing the city. Well, and something that's really cool about that is if you want it to be just the city, there's not tons of cities around the U.S. outside of the major ones that you could actually have symbols that everyone knows immediately what city it is. Like Kansas City couldn't drop the Chiefs moniker and just be Kansas City and throw on what's a Kansas City thing? The barbecue? <laughs> like they, they can't just throw a brisket on a helmet and be like, yeah, we're Kansas City. They're not going to know that. But if they print a shirt with the Washington Monument or the White House or the Capitol, Everyone knows exactly where that is. So embracing the idea that it's just Washington, there's not a city you could argue in the entire United States that has more recognizable symbols that you could use on a T-shirt, on a jersey, wherever, on a sweatshirt, to say we're Washington than this city right here because you've got so many things that just say Washington without ever having to use a moniker. So I think that there are ways that if they decided they want to go back to Washington football team or Washington football club, I do think that's an interesting thing that they could consider. We'll continue to react to the Jason Wright audio. Also want to talk about the commanders and some of the superlatives going into the season. We'll play that coming up in a little bit. Eric Edholm joins us at 8.30. More on 106.7 The Fan next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.